Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. podcast1.com and iTunes and what a great one we have for you tonight. We're going to get right to it right away. I want to remind you once again though to be sure to shop on amazon.com and when you do it start on my own page which is amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Start all your shopping there. Go on to to other parts of the Amazon site once you do but always begin on that page. Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. As usual, my social media is at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Become an all-access member of my site. Music News. You can uh, read the Trunk Report, which is my blog. Copies of my books. Signed copies of either of my books directly from me. Just hit the Books tab. All my appearances on the homepage as well. It's all there for you to check out on EddieTrunk.com. I'm going to be coming to Tulsa a lot in the next few months between Rocklahoma and some other cool stuff going on. So if you're in that area of the country, I hope to see you. Uh, Some other things to be announced very, very soon as well, as far as appearances are concerned. And immediately, if you're listening to this live, starting tomorrow, I'll be flying to Florida. I'll be spending two weeks on cruise ships. First, Cruise to the Edge, which is taking place from Tampa. And then from there, I go to Miami and jump on board the Monsters of Rock Cruise, both of which I'll be doing my SiriusXM volume show from. So come on out and uh, see me if you're on board the cruise ships. I can also tell you I got a couple nights off in Tampa between the two cruises. I should not necessarily off, but on land. And I will be doing my volume show live on SiriusXM at the Hard Rock inside the Hard Rock Casino in the Hard Rock Cafe. So the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa, inside there, there is a Hard Rock Cafe. And if you go there February 8th and or 9th, I'll be there doing my SiriusXM show live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Totally free to come and watch, maybe even get on the air. Who knows? And I hope to see you if you're in Tampa on the 8th and the 9th, live from the Hard Rock, inside the Hard Rock Cafe for my volume show. Be a part of Trunk Nation and come down and represent if you happen to be in Tampa. Everything is on the site. Slaughter is coming up. IDL Ballroom, March 3rd. LA Guns, April 13th at the IDL Ballroom. Rocklahoma coming up in May. And also Striper coming up May 30th at the IDL. Of course, Rocklahoma and prior Oklahoma for three days. So a lot of stuff going on if you're in that part of the country for me. And again, more things to be announced very, very soon. Hope to see you out and about if you are... uh, in these areas or attending these events. Got a great Eddie Trunk podcast for you this week. This was a lot of fun. Like all the interviews on my show, these originate on my Sirius XM show on volume channel 106, which you can hear live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time every day and replaying every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern and also on demand on the Sirius XM app. Before we get to this week's podcast, I do want to take a quick second to acknowledge the NAM show that I attended which took place in Anaheim, California. Had a great five days in Southern California, hosted the Hall of Heavy Metal History, saw a bunch of great artists, hung out and met uh, and saw some, some great people. Had a great time with Bill Ward, original Black Sabbath drummer. Great to see Bill out and about. 
Bill revealing for the first time ever that he had suffered a heart attack recently, another heart attack for Bill. He seems like he's on the mend once again, but we certainly send our best to Bill Ward. So, spent time with Bill, saw Lizzie Hale. I mean, so many people I wouldn't even begin where to tell you. Spent a lot of time with Frank Hannon, Richie Kotzen, John Five. Just a, a great week of broadcast. We'll bring you some of them. Again, here on the podcast, you're just getting a little taste of what I do on a daily basis on SiriusXM, but I'll try to work in what I can here on the podcast as well in the coming weeks. I also hosted a Ronnie Montrose Remembered concert that was a lot of fun. I thank Keith St. John for having me for that, all the great artists that performed there. Got a chance to see Extreme. Saw Michael Anthony at the Extreme show. Tom Morello there at the Extreme show. Two good friends. Got a chance to talk to and spend some time with both of them. If you listen to my show on the radio, we got into some of the stories about this in much more detail. I want to get to the interview, though, this week for the podcast because it's a great one and it's almost a solid hour with Neil Sean of Journey and Joe Elliott of Def Leppard. The connection being, of course, that I'm sure by now that you've heard these guys are going to tour together a Def Leppard journey, journey Def Leppard tour, depending upon what billing you want to talk about. And we get into that exact subject a little bit in the interview. But these guys came in to my show on volume, Trunk Nation, and spent some time with me, an hour to be exact. And we had a great conversation about the upcoming tour, amongst other things, with the two bands. And these guys were both really fun to talk to. And I appreciate them on the cusp of a massive tour, taking some time out to discuss it with me and my audience. I was kind of surprised. This is a very ambitious tour. These guys are getting ready to go out in stadiums in some places, which is really ambitious, but we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's also not outside of the stadium dates. It's not an outdoor show. It's an indoor arena tour outside of that, which was also somewhat surprising. And they talk about that decision a little bit as well. And Neil Sean, very transparent in the interview you're about to hear about the status of Journey. As you guys know, those these guys have had uh, some infighting that went very public for a while. And the, Neil has been continually been transparent about what's going on in Journey and the friction and the tension. And you'll get a little taste of that as well in this podcast. So I think you're going to really enjoy this interview if you didn't hear it. Neil Sean of Journey, Joe Elliott of Def Leppard, great to have them both, a double dip together in the studio, on the same mic, at the same time, on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast, coming right up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. Coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil, well, that can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Pretty weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience when you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid so you know if they're getting a good deal or not before you buy. So, I mean, who doesn't want to know that, right? True Car users, well, they're more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with the True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Hey, it's Rob Riggle. And Sarah Tiana. And you are listening to Riggle's Pitch. Yeah, and a ham horn, and uh, we have a new <laughs> podcast. You can find our show exclusively on the Podcast One app on podcastonesports.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Every Thursday, we're going to sit around and we're going to talk about the things that really excite us, like life, comedy, sports, a lot of sports. Uh, Ourselves. A, a lot of Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Kim Jong-un. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you join us. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Eddie Trunk back with you, and now, courtesy of my Sirius XM show on Volume Trunk Nation, I give you my interview with Joe Elliott of Def Leppard and Neil Sean of Journey. Enjoy. Good to see you, Joe. You too. How are you, How are you man? And I, I, I assume Neil Sean is going to sit in that chair any minute now. He is there, but you just can't see him. <laughs> Wait, do we have a Neil Sean hologram? Is yeah, he getting lazy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody turn it on. You've, uh, you've been, you two have been making the rounds promoting oh, the man. tour, huh? It's been the Cheech and Chong show for the last 48 hours. It's been really funny, actually. Yeah. You have history, uh, obviously, because you toured together. Was it 06? Yes, it was 12 years ago. It's amazing that it was that long ago. I know. Right? The Beatles were together for eight. <laughs> <laughs> Put that some perspective on it there, yeah. Now, we, um, you know, we go back a long way. I, um, the first time we actually met was Lexington, Kentucky in 1983. We were on tour for the Pyromania tour, and it was a day off, and we were playing there the night after. And it, we got in, and they were playing that night. So Junior on at the same venue that, you know... And Brian Adams was the opening act, and we went down there and, uh, you know, the promoter obviously let them know we were coming, and they were very gracious. Yeah, bring them in. So we just hung out in their dressing room like before they went on, and it was fun. Was Journey for you growing up, because, of course, they're, they, they predate Leopard a little bit and uh, a little bit older, but in, in the U.K., were Journey a big deal? No, absolutely not, no. They weren't? No, they were not, no. So when did they first come on your radar as a, well, as they a came fan? they my radar. Because being, oh, here he is. Hey, we're talking. Hey! We're talking we're, all kinds of stuff about you, Neil. We're talking about you. <laughs> How you doing, Good to see you, man. Good, Good to see you, too, man. How you been? Uh, so, yeah, we've just been... Uh... Your timing's <laughs> impeccable. Good. It's been a while. Uh, 20 minutes. Way too long. <laughs> we were just talking about how you guys are like probably a comedy duo at this point after being together it's for a long you know? <laughs> So, yeah, I was, I was aware of them because, you know, it's a little known fact, but in the UK... We had the one station. It was BBC Radio 1, top 40 station. But they had a rock show. Uh, either it was uh, Alan Fluff Freeman or it was Tommy Vance. had a two-hour show Friday night, Saturday afternoon. And they would play things that you wouldn't hear during the day, like uh, Journey or the Allman Brothers, uh, Pat Travis. You know, kind of, that, that's about as a, a Grand Funk Railroad, maybe, you know, very few American bands ever got played on, on English radio. But sometimes there'd be sampler albums come out from certain labels. And I remember the first thing I ever heard was um, Any Way You Want It, I think, was a, on a sampler record. And then it was in Caddyshack. And then, and then, <laughs> Which I just watched Caddyshack, for the, believe it or not, for like the first time. And I forgot all about the, the, that. And well, so Neil, let's party! <laughs> a couple of things. Neil, were you aware? Obviously, they, when they put that in the film, you were aware of it, right? They, they contact you about it? I thought it? it was extremely goofy, but I loved Rodney Dangerfield, so I was okay with it because they sped it up. Oh, I mean, it's already they? a fast song, and they sped it up like you know quite a few numbers. But what I was talking about with Joe before you walked in was in the UK when, when he was uh, – he's such a big music fan. He and I have talked about all these bands we love and so many times – but what, where Journey sat in the UK, like if there was a great awareness for him when he was a kid, and he said, not really. So what did you guys get over there much back in the day? Not or? much. We didn't. And, you know, um, we, we went over before Steve was in the band. And uh, remember, Gary Moore was a good friend of mine. He came to, and saw us, and he was like, wow, you guys sound insane. I love that. And we were hanging out, but we were much more progressive, as you know. And then... Um, you know, when when Perry came into the band, we we uh, went over once, and you know we we're playing small there. places. Was it? Well, it wasn't that small. It's the Sheffield City Hall. It holds two thousand two hundred. Okay, well that's small <laughs> <For> the, <laughs> compared to what we were doing <laughs> in the United States. Just like oh, we nightclub. So Steve was at the place where you know he was like, "Wow, we're like selling our stadiums in the United States." Why do I want to go over there and 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 do start like from the beginning again? So, you know, I just uh, uh, we never went. We never went back. I saw the one the, the one tour. So you saw the first I time saw, they played. I saw 1980. They came over with Pat Travis as the opening act. 
Steve, you remember? I mean, um, Neil, do you remember? I do remember the tour. And, and Pat Travers uh, sounded extremely good because, I mean, I, I mean, I thought he had a great band as it was. It was. But I had gotten him uh, Pat Thrall. You oh, know, you got Pat Thrall in Pat me. Travers. Wow. wow. See, I, got, I got Pat Thrall the gig. Uh, I had known Pat, and I knew how good he was. And uh, Pat was looking for a gig. And Pat Travers, I went to see him in the city in San Francisco. And he said, um, hey, you know any guitar player? Man, I'm looking for a guitar player, you know, a uh, second guitar player. And I go, Pat Thrall is looking for a gig, man. He's totally badass. You should go for that. <laughs> now, I don't want to get real geeky because the three of us could get real geeky, but the Hughes Thrall album is killer if people want to yeah. get Pat Thrall. Insane. Go, go check that out. If insane. people listening have never heard mm. Pat Thrall and didn't know of Roland Pat Travers, the Hughes Thrall Pat album Thrall is killer. Was gr- when we toured, we opened for Pat Travers on our first ever American tour. Uh, first gig, actually, 20th of May, 1980, at Santa Monica Civic. And Pat Thrall's guitar sound sounded like 10 guitarists. <laughs> he, whatever he uses as a pedal board, you stood behind it. It's and you're his like, fingers, too. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Well, let's get up to the, the current speed, because if we get start talking about things from 35 years ago, it's not going to serve what you guys are here to serve, which is a big tour that's been announced, uh, Journey and Def Leppard going out together and uh, the dates are all announced out there. As we were saying before you came in, Neil, you guys did this once before. Hard to believe it was oh, uh, 06, yeah. which is, my gosh, I mean, who thought I – mean, this doesn't feel like that long ago. And how did it come back around that you guys thought now would be the time to revisit it? Yeah, Neil, what, what, where I don't, was – I don't know if Joe or anybody else knew in the band. I had heard nothing about it until management brought it up to me and said – this would be the killer tour. And I go, yeah, I think so, too. That's I go, how I mean, it always We haven't works. done it in such a long time. And the first time was so great. And it was such a long time ago. I go, it's, it's I think, you know, they've grown. We've grown. I think our, both of our audiences put together is massive. And when, when in 06, was, who was singing for you? Was it, was, it wasn't Arnell, right? It, it was Steve Algeri. Okay, so Steve was in the band at the time. Steve was in the band at the time. We had just gotten out on tour, from what I recall. Yep. And Steve's voice went out. Just like, he went to open it and nothing came out. And I was like, oh, shit. This is not good news, you know? And so... Uh, I he clearly at that point just had no voice, uh, and I didn't think it was coming back anytime soon. So it was either pack up and go home, or you know make a change and and try to get through the tour. And and so you know I was working with uh, Jeff Scott Soto. Right, at the I time. thought Jeff came in at that point. And you know working on uh, you know an album, we were working on something together. And I go, I think maybe Jeff could pull this off. You know. And and he did come out after I did a lot of fighting within the band. You know, some guys were just not into it. And I went, well, you know what? It's either that or we're going home, you know, because. Right. Uh, and as an outsider looking in, he did an unbelievable job because I saw his first sound check. And of course, you're thinking, God, I hope this is not going to be a train wreck. But that first gig, I remember it was it was a huge, big, like stadium thing, big open shed. And we were watching from the side because, you know, I didn't know Jeff at, at all at the time. It's like, wow, he pulled this off. He remembered the words. He didn't have, I don't think he even had autocue. I don't know how he did it. but it's, he did it's, it. it's, Well, it's big shoes to fill no matter who. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. the bulk of it is singing Steve, but I mean, yeah, still, of course, yeah. I mean, whoever's coming in there, that's a, that's a tough spot. So the fact that he could hold the fort, you guys could get through that tour yeah, and make it work. It. And, but it was a great tour. And, and, you know, I wanted to check it out even further than that at that point. And so we did, after the tour, we went in the studio. We tried writing a couple of tunes and putting Jeff on it. And when we listened back, honestly, I just didn't feel like it sounded remotely anything like the band. Right. You know, I mean, you can have 10 different voices you can put in if they're the right cats and, and, and still sound like the band, you know. Maybe everybody's going to have a, pre- a personal preference, and, and a choice of who they like best. And it's hard to be Perry, honestly. Yeah, of course. You Joe, know? you know, it's interesting for me when I think about Def Leppard because you guys have toured consistently here in America doing the outdoor amphitheaters now with a variety of different bands. And you've really, I mean, you've really worked incredibly hard to rebuild this, 
the Def Leppard and the brand of Def Leppard and the remind everybody of the greatness of Def Leppard. I mean, you've consistently worked at it and gotten away from, I think, be, I mean, Def Leppard to me was always so much bigger and meant so much more than some of the bands that they, you came from in that era and are sometimes associated with. And I think you've worked so hard to build beyond that a little bit. But in 06, on that first tour, were you still what, where, what was the status of the band at that point? Were you still trying to kind of put your stamp well, yeah, in again? Absolutely. I mean, you're always trying. I don't know if you ever stop. But by 2006, it had started to turn around. Yeah. You know, we'd done the previous year. We did some, like, minor league baseball stadiums with Brian Adams. And that really kind of – it was a cheaper ticket and – and in fairness, it was supposed to be a co-headline. And after about the third gig, Brian turned around and said, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> I don't want to follow you guys. So I'm just going to go on first. So it turned out basically, you know, the 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 remaining 20, 30 shows or something, we, we headlined them. And there was a lot of people coming. And from that moment onwards, every time we went out on the road, 2008, we went out with um, Six of a Journey, Seven, I think we went out with like Poison and Cheap Trick, which went into eight, and then there was like Sticks and Ario Speedwagon, and then in eleven we had Heart, you know. And we've we've always we love to go out with another band that people know, but we it kept us in that headline spot, and we were in amphitheaters, and we were starting to sell fifteen to eighteen to twenty thousand tickets each each time, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger each each tour, and um, and it comes out of fear. It comes out of fear of somebody saying, you see who's playing the bowling alley down the street? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you're looking at these bands. It might have been on MTV straight after Photograph or straight, you know, just before Sugar went on. And it's like, it's almost the same video. And you're like, it's almost the same band, but they're in bowling alleys. And you're like, yeah, oh, no, man. I see it all the time. And that's what I meant by having the work. Can't go there. You the know? work you did to put in to build this, because only yeah. a handful of bands have been able to do but that. But in fairness, in fairness, without blowing my own trumpet, we were, you know, we did sell... You know, yeah. 65, 70, 80 million records is now to 100 or something silly. Um, and a lot of those bands were literally put together to sound like us. I mean, I've met them and I've met A&R men that have said, you know, yeah, my job when I worked at such and such labels, like I was told by the boss, go sign a band that sounds like Def Leppard. <laughs> and... And there was there was there was a hundred soundalikes. Oh yeah, of course, Neil. We talked. I talked with Joe about the first time that uh, Journey came on his radar in the UK. When for you did Def Leppard first come on your radar? We talked about this earlier. Mm. Uh, I mean, immediately. Actually, uh, they were like on gone through radar. the night. Like immediately, I, first I knew album, their first record. Yeah. So you knew Wasted and Hello America and all that stuff. Uh -huh. Yeah. What, did somebody give it to you, or did you? Did you? How no, did you... I heard it. I heard it on radio. I heard it on MTV. I went out and bought it, and I checked it out. And you know, I felt like you know, we were very compatible even back then. Yeah, he likes bringing on the heartbreak. I mean, he goes back to 1981. You know, the original version, not the remix. Yeah. Check out, <laughs> check out the verse. Okay, and and bring on the heartbreak. Listen to the chords, and then listen to Winds of March. They, I mean, my dad wrote those chords right in the beginning, and I go, "Wow, that's crazy that we both came with it pretty much at the same time." Yeah, it's the same, and then it, it's a little different. I was hanging out with his dad. Yeah, dad was a good writer. <laughs> Joe, you just touched on something a second ago because you were talking about touring with Brian Adams and who was going to go on first and all that. How's this tour working? Did you guys flip a coin or what's happening? <laughs> we're going to flip. Yeah, you're going to flip every day. Yeah, we're going to flip-flop every day. Yeah, you're gonna we're, flip -flop. Not gonna, we're not going to flip, gonna flip a, coin. a coin every day. That would screw the crew <laughs> no, big time. No, we're going to flip one, a coin once, and then we're going to flip-flop from there out. Okay, yeah. so you flip the coin to see who very first show who... who There's opened. 58 shows, which are possibly already 60, which may even extend. So we're looking at uh, 50 arenas. You've got you know, LA Forums, Madison Square Gardens, 10 stadiums. And I, I say at the stadiums, they will... They will Headline five, we will headline five, and then in, in the arenas it'll be twenty five, twenty five, and the same set time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's playing the same amount. I think time. we're going to have yeah. plenty of time for both bands to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited because it's not a three bill. 
Yeah. So you know, you're not you're not going to add another band. It's Only not going to be stadiums because you can open them earlier. Right. But in the arenas, it's just it's safe. We're going to go on first. We'll go on at like you know seven thirty and play till nine, and they'll go on at nine thirty and play till eleven or whatever it is. So an hour forty, hour thirty, whatever we can squeeze in. Then you know you bring up a good point about the venues because when I first heard about this tour, I said, oh well, it's I'm sure it's going to be like Leopard has been doing and. You, it's going to be a shed tour and do the amphitheater. It's not. You're almost all indoors except for stadium dates, yeah, which yeah. is really a big, We've got a big like, step. What, Fenway Park and uh, Wrigley Field. There's a bunch of them. I can't. I don't, yeah. I, they they're so change new names. I it's the AT&T. This, or it's the Kentucky Fried yeah, Chicken. The Seven Eleven Arena. I know. Yeah. But but <laughs> was that a conscious decision to to go to bring these shows inside versus do the amphitheaters? Listen, both both bands are more than capable to just play the amphitheaters for the rest of our lives. We were we were doing twenty five thousand, twenty six thousand people last summer in these amphitheaters. So we could have just done more of the same. But when it was put to us that. You think about how we were in 2006. We were both doing okay. We were both very successful bands. We weren't in bowling alleys, right. you know. And 12 years on, we're actually bigger than we were then because we've worked really hard. I don't think you stopped touring. We haven't stopped touring. Yeah, no. And, of course, when the suits get talking to each other and they say, look, you know, we have this great idea. It really worked 12 years ago. Let's get you guys back together but put you in bigger places. And it's like, you know, it's just a logical kind of progression, really. Neil's been touring since Santana, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Have you definitely. stopped ever? Not really. <laughs> you know, the only periods that I ever stopped were when, uh, you know, Steve and the older band with Perry in it uh, decided that he wanted to take a hiatus, you know. And he would say, I'm burnt out, you know, I need some time off. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we'll take six months off and get back to it. And then three years later, it's like, Stewart's still off. So I go... Uh, I get a call from John Waite. You want to come down to L.A. and and just and jam and see what happens? And that became bad English. And so I've always managed to find something. But, yeah, I'm always touring. And do you like it as much as you did when you were much younger? I absolutely do. You do? I like it more, actually. Really? Yeah. Why so? Uh, well, it's obvious. It's, you know, we're, we're traveling better. Um, You're not in bowling, Alice. I've been, like, <laughs> you know, completely sober for 10 years. And that's actually making me enjoy it more, you know. Uh, you don't get so run down uh, from being so effed up all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, more on top of your game, you know. I feel like I'm playing better. I'm, you know, more alert about everything, everything that's around me. Right. I'm not missing anything, right. you know. Uh, something about, you know, hanging out in the bar every night. You just don't, you're not really moving forward. You're kind of sitting in the same place. And uh, so I don't miss it. Joe, do you still like it? Do you still like being on the road? I prefer it now to back then even. Really? Absolutely, Just like yeah. Neil said, huh? Yeah. It's, I don't know whether it's out of some kind of um, acceptance of the fact that at the age of 58, you just don't know when your next, your last gig's going to be. Right. You know? I think when it becomes more valuable the older you get. When you're 26, 27, you think it's going to go on forever. Now, we're fortunate for us that so far, touch wood, it has. But for many people that were... You know, like we were doing the Hysteria tour or whatever, it could have come to a crashing halt, especially after grunge. But we worked really hard to try and just plow our way through it. And the appreciation of all the people that stuck with us, uh, that kept coming, you know, and stuck with them, they're still coming and what have you. You go on stage and and you realise what a blessing it is to be in this position. I've never been one of these people that's blasé, it just goes like... Oh, whatever. You know, for me, it's like you <laughs> you get on stage, you're hanging around behind the curtain, you listen to the last song before you go on, and you've got your little routine, and normally it's me and Phil in one little tent, and Vivian and Sav over there, and Rick Allen's pacing up and down in between. And it, we follow ACDC for the last five years or whatever, and then you, there's little tears in the curtain, and you're peering through, and you're going, Phil, check it out, look, it's packed all the way to the back. And then the house lights go down, and the noise goes up, and you're thinking, you know wow, all we have to do now is not screw up. And yeah. this is going to be a perfect day, you know. And we seem to have quite a lot of them, you know. It don't, they don't even have to be perfect. They just have to be good, you know. See, I think people would be, I think that's really refreshing for fans to hear because I think people would think with all the shows you guys have done over all the decades, it almost, as cool, to the fan, it's the coolest thing in the world. It's like, oh my God, imagine being Joe Elliott or Neil Sean. Oh my God. But I, but but there's a side, and, and me being in the business for so long, that you'd think, say, oh man, 
what city am I in tonight? You know, p- put it on the monitor so I don't say I'm in Cleveland when I'm in Chicago. <laughs> oh, well, we With that, that happens, happens right. yeah. but, but still, that. but the, just the, the, it becomes a bit of a mono- like almost on autopilot. But you're saying you really can still take day, that moment the in. The day can be autopilot to a point. You know, the, the meal at four o'clock, the getting there, the showering and the shaving and the what am Meet I going to wait? Interview, today? yeah, blah, blah 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 blah. All that stuff can. But it's the bit that you live for is the performance. That, so you still get the it juice. It never gets old. Yeah, yeah that is the high. Yeah. That's the ultimate high. The electricity between the audience and myself while I'm playing, you know, that is it. Well, then there's the old adage that most artists have told me. It's like we get paid for the other two, 22 hours in the day. The two hours that we're playing, that we're on stage, that's the that's the reward. That's the cherry. Yeah, we well, do that for free. We get paid for the other <laughs> right, bits, so, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, is there a central website or just go to the individual websites for people to see all the dates, right? Or is uh, there a l- hub? LiveNation.com would be the, the neutral. Okay. But then there's, there's DefLeopard.com and I'm guessing it's Journey.com. Is it? <laughs> Ours is pretty much non-existent. But you can follow me and I'll let you know what's going on. And I do. And by the way, Neil's great to follow on Twitter as well, which is yeah. Neil Sean Music, which yeah. I, I do so, so Neil's active on Twitter and always pumps out great stuff Joe hasn't gone down the Twitter road yet you're staying away no, right no, I, I, we collectively twit or twat <laughs> at Def Leppard but um, I do not individually twat. okay so you can follow Neil at Neil Sean Music and follow uh, uh, Joe's collective at Def Leppard if you are into the Twitter world like uh, I am as well I personally am really glad that it's inside because I I always love shows in, with a roof I just yeah, pref- ten whether of it's <laughs> ten of them are in Massive big stadiums with no roof. But that's cool, too. That's a little different. I saw the Struts for the first time recently, and they floored me. And you've given them your endorsement, I know. For for the last two years, since I first heard them, um, to to anybody that's not heard them, imagine... If, you, if you're old enough to remember Slade are, they kind of like got that power pop of Slade, but so the great. singer, Luke, sounds exactly like Freddie Mercury, and he knows it, so I'm not doing him a disservice. <laughs> he wears Xander Rhodes clothing. He's total total rock star. He's an absolute rock star. But great songs. Guy wears mascara in the shower. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's a total rock star, and the songs are stupendous. I knew Absolutely you and brilliant. I would be on the same page yeah, yeah. on this. I love, 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 to talk love, love, to you. Neil, do you keep up with the newer, younger bands? Do you see guys out there you like that you get excited about you know what i have to be honest i really don't (laughs) because you know um my head i can play so many different types of music to be honest and i'm like uh you know i can go into any mode at any point but uh when i'm at home i'm listening to a lot of jazz Oh really? And, and I'm like uh, sort of jazzing out these days when I'm playing by myself <laughs> with loops. Miles Davis, picture you know, bitches brew uh, plus. You know, it's 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 out there, but you're in the jungle, baby. It's like, do you want to make jazz records? You, would you like um, to do that? I don't really want to make jazz records. I just want to play them. You know, because you've like, done your own records go. and you've done some eclectic stuff over the over time. But would you get you don't you wouldn't have it in you to go after a full on jazz thing just for fun? I don't think so. No, no. You just like hearing. Uh, it. I would just rather go like uh, not do a tour, but find a place. If I like to play with three guys or four guys that I put together, find a place uh, that I can go that's very small and and just have a good time. And open it up, you know. It's like my favorite stuff, like is like Miles Davis years ago, uh, you know, when he had um, kind of blue. Well, yeah, but but all the really more out there stuff when he played the festivals, and there's a, a saying that he had. You know, somebody asked him. There was like a 23 minute performance that I saw, you know, and it was amazing. And someone said. What do you call that afterwards? And he goes, call it whatever the fuck you want. Mm. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> hey, there's something cool about that to me. Wasn't he the guy that coined the phrase, there's only two types of music, good and bad? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Pretty much sums it up. But yeah, that's my, my birth, I call it my birth year album. Came out in 1959, Kind of Blue by, by Miles Davis. You jazz guy as well? I love that record. I, I wouldn't say I'm totally into jazz. I like some jazz. Sometimes it can be a little too indulgent. But um, I, that album is just... That's because I play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Singers hate it, yeah. you know, usually. But I, I love rock and roll. I love any kind of good rock and roll. Um, you know, I just don't listen to and, and buy a lot of new records. Right. All the old rock that I love is is very, you know, it's the stuff that everybody learned from. Right, you know? right. Uh, I, I should ask you, Neil, before we go any further, because I, I wanted you to address this a little bit. The last year or so since the last Journey Tour... 
uh, you've been, and we talked about social media. You've been very open and uh, transparent about stuff going on within the context of your band and the dynamics of it and what was going on amongst the members and yourself. Uh, can you address where that's at now? Well, you know, it's pretty much, as far as I know, it's in the same place. And I'm ready to keep on addressing things. As I it sounds happen. like this could be but, a real interesting but, tour, but, Joe. But, you know, uh, it's it's no, it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, you know, I it's been you know sort of the same for a while. Okay, I would say like the last two years. And so you know, I just uh, I put my head in my in in my own space, and I'm really there to play live. For our fans, it's about the music and it's about the fans. It's not about anything else that's going on inside, you know. And 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 people go through changes, man. Everybody, they they, you know, it was one way, and now it's like this. And you're going, well, what happened? You know, uh, we agreed on this and that, and, and then it goes in a different direction, and nobody tells you about it. And I'm like, that's kind of bizarre to me. But at the same token, it's rock and roll, so you know. We we are definitely going to bring it though I know because it has nothing to do with the way that we play. You know? So you guys are you're confident that you can? Uh, you, I'm assuming you rehearse. I mean I know you played so much, but you, you'll you'll you're confident that you'll be able to all come together, rehearse, do these shows. And listen, it's no secret. There's a lot of bands, way more than people listening would ever know that actually don't all get along that well and they come together for that hour and a half on stage outside, that's not so much. So you're confident that you'll be able to get through this tour and no issues. We get along perfectly musically most of the time. Uh-huh. It was like a lot of different changes in the outside thing and people's personal lives that, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm somewhere else. Right. And, and uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fine. Okay. And and last thing on this, I th- I, th- I thought it was really cool and and pretty refreshing that you were so open and honest about your thoughts on social media about it. A, a lot of a lot of bands sometimes tend to suppress that and ver- keep it very secretive. Why did you decide to be to talk so openly about what was going on? You know, I have a lot of faith in in the fans. And um I wasn't getting a lot of help anywhere else. That's all I can tell you. I mean, I I was trying to get a management at the point to step in and 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 bring some things about. I was trying to talk to uh, different members, and they all went this way, and I was kind of there by myself. And so I went, man, I'm going to open this up. I got frustrated with it. I'm going to open it up, and I'm going to talk to the fans themselves, and I'm going to get their opinion. And so now they've spoken, and I feel really good about and what I'm the- doing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I got, you know, uh, 99.9% fans are, are understanding where I'm at. And so it's a good thing. And everybody's on board from the last lineup for this tour. Is is Steve playing drums as well? Smith is on drums, yes. Okay, so you got everybody is is on the, the lineup. Arnell, the people's... Smith, Ross, and Jonathan, yes. Okay, so that, that's the the last man that toured. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Joe, any was there ever any point in Def Leppard's history where there was some sort of like, you know, inner conflict amongst you guys that uh, you kind of dealt with through tours or through periods? Oh, yeah. There was. <laughs> Plenty of it. That's yeah. why you're not on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, that's just absolutely right. Um, it's also why P. Willis is not in the band anymore. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, that was that was the first, that was the only major kind of contention of, of any negativity that we've really had to deal with. Um, he was, he just became unworkable, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to trash Pete. It's been, it's not fair on him. His family, his kids have grown up. But, you know, he had to go. He just had to go. And musically, the band improved so much more when Phil joined anyway. Mm-hmm. Not that, that Pete was a bad musician, don't get me wrong. He was a phenomenal guitar player. But Phil came in with the, he came in with all the right ingredients. He looked good. He played well. He sang he wrote songs that were more fit into the way that we wanted to go. He was totally on board. When he when he joined on Pyromane, he hadn't written any of it, but he totally got it. You know, and he's like, this is the kind of band I want to be in, you know. And when we came to doing Hysteria, which is the first record he contributed writing for, that was the direction that we were trying to get to all, all our career at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, that... You know, up until with Steve, we had lots of problems with Steve, and sadly, we couldn't, we just couldn't, uh, you know, we did everything in our power. I feel we did everything in our power to help him as best we could, but with somebody who's got a 
essentially a death wish as, as, as much as he had. There's nothing you can do. You can you can't force people into rehab. We did, and he, when you force somebody into rehab, they walk out. Right. They've got to walk in. They have to walk in, and that sadly never happened with Stephen. We gave him like the the six months leave of absence. Um, I think it was about September-ish of 1990. We were trying to write Adrenalize, and we were getting nowhere. Mm. And uh, we said, look, dude, I get it. Go home. He had a place in Chelsea in London that he'd never, barely ever slept in. Go home, take your clothes out of a wardrobe, you know, cook your own meals, put the suitcase up in the attic, just live your life. And let's see how we are in six months. But sadly, he passed away four months into that six months off sort of thing. So we'd been working as a four-piece right up to Steve dying, and we carried on working as a four-piece right up to finishing the Adrenalize album. Mm-hmm. Just out of respect to him, out of the fact that it's it's we think it's a little crass to just replace the dead guy straight away, right. you know? It's like, so it was a lot of pressure on Phil to be two people, if you like, but um, we pulled it off. And then we started thinking about who the hell we're going to get, you know? And Vivian became the, the, the lead guy, and uh, he was more than willing to join, because at that time he wanted to be in a band that, that sang. He was so into his, his voice and all that kind of stuff. And he liked the songs. He'd been a fan since the EP. So it was a no-brainer. I know a lot of Dio fans think he's wasted in Def Leppard. But it does, you know, you, just because he doesn't play widdly, widdly, widdly for two hours doesn't mean he's not a valent, uh, you know, a valid member of the band. Because a lot of this stuff that we do, just because it's simplistic, doesn't mean that it's, it's not challenging. You and know, now he's I mean, got last in line. You, yeah, and he's got if last he in line. And you look at a song like Wild Thing, it was good enough for Hendrix to play. There's <laughs> only three chords, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter. And so this lineup has now been together 26 years wow, uh, next month. Yeah. Um, and we've been very supportive of each other. You know, we've listen. We've we've had fist fights. We've had arguments. We've had stuff thrown at each other. I mean, Neil's laughing. He's been there, the done time, that. Yeah, most of the time. And it's it's it it's it's never about music. It's it's either where's the TV remote, you know, or whatever, or an ex girlfriend, or some nonsense. Yeah, you know? yeah. But you know, when you think about when Rick lost his arm, we stuck by him. Uh, when Vivian had his cancer, which he's still living with, we stuck by him. We we had to occasionally pull in Steve Brown to stand in for him while he was off having treatment. But that because he understood just as well as we did that the show must go on. Yeah. It's, it's the old adage that's been on, you know, been part of our lives since circuses in the Victorian days. You know, yeah. the show must go on. Um, but we're all here, and we're we're all you know. There's a lot of love and respect, and I think for us, it's a the the one slight difference I'd suggest between ourselves and journeys like we didn't really get together to be musicians we just got together to be a gang and it just happened to be music could have been football could have been soccer could have been anything you know um it's 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 about the gang it's about the team if one of us is a little down the other four pull the weight you know and we don't get too wound up about things anymore we got we got one band recently in the rock and roll hall of fame in journey one band that absolutely should be in and i think it's ridiculous that is has not been Considered I yet, agree. and that's Def that Leppard. And, I, and <laughs> I'm going to predict right now. It'll that happen. After this tour, it'll happen. It's going to happen. It'll happen. especially now that bon, they put Bon Jovi in this year. They put you guys in. It's only a Def Leppard, Foreigner. There's so many that I feel should be there, and and I, I'm I'm a voter, and I'm always pushing, and and but and we appreciate that. And, and well, well, and the fans, of course, everybody. But as as has been well documented for the last five years, I've spent five years ripping a new asshole. <laughs> Well, I've spent 30 years uh, ripping, 25 years ripping them, and they made me a voter. So there's yeah. progress. But- so, you know, my, my opinion on the whole thing softens a little bit when I hear that there's, like, people that appreciate this form of music. Because 10 years ago, whether it be you guys or us or Bon Jovi or Motley Crue or whoever, it's like, ugh. We don't want that kind of person in here. We want Springsteen, you too. Mellencamp, Tom Petty, Loudon Wainwright, Lou Reed. They want the cool... You know, right, right. Patty Smith. They did. They didn't want us. They. I mean, Christ. If if Leonard Skinnerd, Mom's apple pie, as you guys would say, you know, they they are America to to me as an English kid. They're like you know, like Creedence Clearwater Revival were. They were like rejected like seven times or something like that. It's ridiculous. Oh well, they, they, which is why I fought. I said, "Look, I don't, <laughs> is my career going to improve? Are my ticket sales going up? My record sales no, going up? Of course, is not. my life going to be any better if no. I'm in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? 
No, it's not. So I don't care. Of course. Well, the, the rejection. But breakfast with somebody tomorrow that, that's from the Rock and Roll. Like, <laughs> so we'll see how Grease the wheel out. a little bit. Well, the rejection letter they sent to Judas Priest this year said, well, remember, we passed over Sabbath nine years in a row. I'm like, that's all you need to know. They passed mm. over Sabbath nine years in a row. But, but Neil, I want to ask you real quick, going back to the Hall of Fame, the experience for you, and did you ever, can you say definitively, what happened with Steve, and did you know... How like how long in advance did you know he was going to show up, and how long in, did you know for a fact he would not sing? Did he tell you why he would not sing? Can you can, looking back on it? Is there any more information you have about that night you can share? All I can tell you is what I knew, and the day of the show, I found out that he was showing. Okay, day of the show, the day of the induction, and I found out that he was going to show. Uh, and I found out also that he did not want to perform. Okay. Okay. Did they and give you a reason why or just not comfortable? When I or? saw him and we hadn't seen each other in so many years and we had a great conversation backstage before we got on stage and uh, it didn't even really come about, you know, I felt like, let's just talk as friends, you know. We haven't been you could seen. see you guys were just lit up when you saw each other too. You know, there was clearly he, there was a, a connection. there was a bond, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But the, uh, it was a non-starter. The idea of him getting up and even trading off with Arnell. I tried to promote it. Yeah. You saw. I was yeah. like, well, that's I the other thing on it. social media. People are pounding Neil, and I'm like, Neil wants it to happen. <laughs> if you can't get water from a stone, I, I like. I made it very clear that I thought it would be like very so cool for him to do. Have that. you been in touch with him since? I have not. So nobody's heard anything from him since that night. Nope. We and it's his birthday to... today, I believe. Yeah, it is his birthday. So happy birthday, Steve Perry, yeah, today. Happy birthday, Steve. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. We should clear this up because I did have some people ask me about this, Joe, and we should get this out. Just for, for clarity purposes, this tour you're doing with Journey, this is not hysteria start to finish. No, it is not. No, this is just going to be uh, whatever set we choose, which we haven't even thought about yet. We're doing 11 shows in the UK and Ireland in December where we're playing hysteria and more. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it may, you know, you never know. Once we've done that, because we did it in Vegas five years ago, so it's actually had its, you know, we've, we've done 12 shows, as it were, in, in, the, in the US. Now we're going to do 11 in the UK. So that's a kind of, you know, a balance. But once you do that and word gets out, people start knocking on the door going, well, why don't you come and do it? in Argentina and Japan or whatever. So we don't know where it's going to go. So. And we should mention real quick, we didn't, before we run out of time, also in Def Leppard news made the other day, for those who've been asking forever about your catalog being on streaming, mm-hmm. it's now available for people to consume from going we back to the EP. Did, we finally did it. Yeah. We finally dropped the bomb, man. We, uh, everything from 1979 Def Leppard EP all the way up to the last album, all under the one umbrella. And Rick, Rick Allen was here just on my show just a few days ago. And his the questions were coming at him about the streaming, the streaming, and now he couldn't say it yet, but yeah. now it's finally done. Was, so yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it's brilliant because <laughs> now we're on you know every spot, Spotify, Spotify, Deezer, uh, Amazon. I mean, everyone you can think of. We we didn't want to do any exclusives. Everything, just get it out there. Uh, Neil, for Journey's music, it's available everywhere. Are you are you cool with the the whole streaming model? Do you think it's? I mean, I'm still a guy that loves the physical mm-hmm. uh, holding music. I still love my CDs. Honestly, the best format for me. But do, are you are you okay with what's going on now in that world? I'm okay in the fact that people can get it so easily, but I'm I'm really not okay with laws. Still, I think that they need. Uh, I know that they're working on them because we have attorneys that are working on them and I've seen where they're going with it. And what what is happening is like labels are doing really extremely well again where they were going out of business before. Because of streaming? Yes. Yeah. Except you they're guys doing well off so our much. money. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're, they, they've got these big paths of, you know, $3 million offices and back to signing a, a, a bunch of bands and having money to mess around with like that. But the streaming money, you know, we've got like one of the biggest songs ever in the history, ever known Don't to stop mankind. Yeah. And it's in the you know, top ten of all those songs. And we get paid, but not it's what very it minute yeah. and, and, and minuscule amount, I think. Let's get to the Facebook questions before we run out of time. This is Melissa R who's watching now on Facebook Live. A question for Joe. What do you think is the key to the band's longevity? You are still amazing, she says. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> be forgiving. Um, you know, 
I think with us, it's like friendship. It's friendship first. It always has been. Um, we allow each other. We we indulge each other like a bad mood once a month, <laughs> and then after that, you might get reprimanded for it. But most of the time, it just takes care of itself. I think as long as you. I don't know. Maybe it's our expectations were never that high, and we just surpassed them all. But um, we <laughs> set just the have, bar low. Yeah, <laughs> set the bar as low as you can and see where you go. You know, limbo. But um, we got. Um, you know, we we just. I don't know. I, if I knew what the X factor was that keeps the band together, I'd bottle it and sell it. To be quite honest, did you ever envision this question for both of you? Actually, because I mean, Journeys and Neil's been doing it even you know, way longer. Did you ever envision when you started out that you could have a career this long in the music industry? That in 2018 you'd be sitting here talking about a tour, a, a massive tour like this? You know, I really, I I only always looked at it as music. That it was something that I loved. Since I started playing and, um, you know, since I got my first professional gig, which is at 15. So to me, it was it was never I didn't have a goal in mind, like I need to be this person and I need to accomplish this and I need to have this much money or whatever. It was all about the music It's still about the music and my love for the music and my love for the audience, the fans that have been the, you know, made it possible for us to have this longevity. They are the ones sure. that you're thankful for. And um, I'm, I'm completely grateful for that because I, I have no clue what I'd be doing if I couldn't play right. and do what I love doing. This is from Corinne S. And she says, will the set lists on this tour feature any songs we've never heard live? or And will you be switching any songs out from past year's set lists? So I guess she's trying to... You know, that's that's the age old battle because you need to play the hits for the masses. But you've always got people like Corinne and myself and I'm sure even you guys would love to pull out a deep track here and there. So that that balance, how do you find it? What, what's your approach to that? We'll, we'll start with Neil. Well, you know, I mean, um, we haven't talked about it either yet. Uh, we will eventually and get into rehearsal and um, we'll see what happens. You know, I think that the tour is going to be a very special tour. Uh, I don't want to repeat ourselves uh, and do the same thing we've done uh, for the last, you know, six decades. <laughs> and so, but you've got that problem, and it's a great problem to have, and both of you do. We where you've got hits. a dozen solid hits. You've got people. The masses will go crazy if you don't play. So you've got to figure out that right. balance. We will figure it out. But you figure out ways to spice it up in between. And we have so many great songs that we never touch upon. And I've got some ideas I'm working on, you know, uh, to embellish little bits and pieces of it and construct it in a way, not to where it's like some kind of funky Vegas thing where, you know, it's so worked out that it seems cheesy. Right. But there's a lot of cool musical bits, and I, I believe that you can use them to get in and out of other songs. Joe, what's what's your approach with Leopard for that? We we've always had this uh, approach that we will not play to the minority because if you stood in my shoes, neither would you. <laughs> and I've, I have that luxurious position to be able to say, yeah, but you are, don't stand in my shoes. I do, and I know what it's like. We've we've succumbed and we've opened a, a show with a, a non a non album B side. Because we think, oh, it's going to go down great with the internet. But it doesn't go down well with the crowd. You know, so the kid at home who never sees you anyway, right. that's just comparing set lists, he's got a hard on. But everybody else in the crowd has got their arms folded going, what the hell is this? Right. So it's a real hard, but, you know, again, that song maybe works if you play 12th out of 20 songs. You know, there's a spot for everything. If you... Set, you know, it's like when you put an album together, the running order can make or break a record sure. and the running order can make or break a set. Um, and we have, the way we discuss it is we have A, B and C lists. And the A lists are the ones that if you can't play, if you don't play them, you won't get out of the building alive. <laughs> um, the B list is the, the kind of cool album tracky stuff like Switch 6 to 5 maybe or Too Late for Love or, you know, whatever. And then the C list is the songs that can come and go that don't affect the A and the B list which is new songs, rare songs, and there can only be maybe two or three of those. And if, you, if you've got the energy to change them out all the time, you come up with another problem then. Because let's say you play Fenway Park and you play Wasted, and then, but you only, then you go, to, you go to 
you know, Madison Square Gardens, and you don't play wasted. The people in Madison <laughs> Square Gardens have a fit, and the ones that you played wasted say, well, what did you play in that instead of? And if it was too late for love, they go, oh, I would rather have heard too late for love. <laughs> so if you play, if you pander to, to an audience, you're never going to win. So you have to play to yourself. Right. So we're always going to pick what we think is the right thing to do. And we are very proud of having hit singles. Oh, sure. Why you know wouldn't what I mean? you be? It's yeah. like, come on. It's like, this is what you dream of as a kid. So why would we abandon them? Well, when you think of Def Leppard and Journey, I mean, uh, I mean, again, if you're a, a deep fan of the stuff like I am, well, you think about the full albums. But to the masses, you think about the hits. You think about hearing Photograph and Pour Some Sugar On Me and, of course, Don't Stop Believing and uh, Stone In Love or what. You know, you, that's what comes to mind, you know. So so it, it only makes sense. Tying into that a little bit, another, this is a great question here. This is from Paul E. And uh, he says, Joe, what's your favorite Journey song and why? And Neil, what's your favorite Def Leppard? Leopard song and why? So Neil, you want to take that one Here first? You know, okay, we'll start now with the first record. I loved Heartbreak. We already talked about that. Uh, uh, they have so many good songs. Uh, Photograph, Pour Some Sugar on Me. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I could give you a list, you know, that keeps going. But I would say those songs, are, you know, they're a little bit different from one another, but but very strong. They're always like stuck in my head. Joe, you got a favorite uh, Journey song? I've got many actually. Um, I like, I really, really dig Wheel in the Sky. I think it's a great song. Um, Loving, Touching, Squeezing is a great song. Um, but my favourite, my favourite by a country mile is Chain Reaction. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's getting a little I've deep. Been, but I've been beating him up for two days now. Play the bloody thing. Because oh, he yeah. said that to us 12 years ago, it was in our set. Yeah. <laughs> I said, guys, he wants us to play that. Can we please? Well, I enjoyed the heck out of that, and I could easily spend <laughs> hours talking to those guys about music, but you just had about a solid hour right there of conversation with Joe Elliott and Neil Sean. Big tour coming up. Be interested to see how that does, especially in some of those stadium dates. Good guys, good music fans rooting for the best and see how that all goes. And I think it's incredibly, I think, admirable that Neil Sean is so unbelievably honest about the dynamic and journey these days which, by the way, is the case in a lot of bands, just very few actually talk about it. So I thought that was very telling, that conversation. Hope you guys really enjoyed it. Of course, new episodes of the Eddie Trunk Podcast post every Thursday. Next Thursday, Lizzie Hale and Joe Hottinger of Hot, Sto of Hot Storm. <laughs> Joe would love if it was called that, probably. Hailstorm. Joe and Lizzie from Hailstorm join me from L.A. on next week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. I will be at the on board the cruise to the edge at the time that will post, but I hope you guys will absolutely enjoy it. As a matter of fact, no, I take that back. I'll be getting off the cruise to the edge, headed to the hard rock in Tampa to do live radio shows from the hard rock cafe in the hard rock in Tampa, which again, those are open to the public free and live from two to 4 PM Eastern time. So that's what I'll be doing when we post that new episode next Thursday with Lizzie Hale and Joe from Hailstorm. Again, follow on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the website. Thanks to Katie Irizarry for producing as always. And she's going to be on the cruise to the edge as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. And I'll see you guys again next Thursday. Have a good one.
Podcast One has new shows on our new app. Check out all the cool features to help you explore our exciting new programming, like America's Lakers Podcast with Jay Moore, So Random with Corinne Olympios, Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's Podcast, Not Just Sports with Susie Schuster and Rich Eisen, and Sessions with Randy Jackson, as well as your old favorites like The Lady Gang, Steve Austin, Shaquille O'Neal, and Adam Carolla. Get the new Podcast One app in the App Store, Google Play, or PodcastOne.com. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.